Let's uh, open in a word of prayer and then we'll get into our study. Father God, I thank you so much for another day to gather together as believers, to stand together as one body in Christ. Father, we need each other. And we know with things going on in our country, the direction that it's taking, we know, Lord, that persecution is here in some forms, but we know it definitely will intensify. Father, help us to stand strong in you, but also with the support of our brothers and sisters, because we do need one another. Thankful that we're one body in Christ, that you unify us together. Thank you for saving us. And Father, I just pray for those who have lost loved ones through the wars our country has been in. Um, Father, I just pray that you will uh, bless them, especially today and tomorrow. And there would be time of reflection uh, for those who have given their lives in defense of this country. And Father, I pray too for Pastor Joe and all those who are leaving and Jason Bruns, we just pray uh, for safe trip and your safety, Father, because we know Satan's working everywhere. But Father, you are greater and we put our faith in you. And we know someday as we proclaim your word, we may end up in prison. We don't know. But Father God, you're in control. And Father, thank you for the privilege we have to to be called Christians and believers. And I pray each one here, you will bless them. And as we look to your word, Lord, guide us and teach us through your word. Give me the words to say. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Apostle Paul, as led by the Holy Spirit, recorded scripture that often emphasized his desire and prayer that those he ministered to would grow in their daily walk with the Lord. To the Colossian believers, he wrote in Colossians 1.10, that his brothers and sisters in Christ would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. To Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.3, he recorded, I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. The more accurate way of measuring our spiritual growth centers on our prayer life. Pastor Steve, from the beginning of this year, has shared the challenge of developing a more consistent personal prayer life, not just on Sundays, but every day. Like Paul, we need to pray for the unsaved, as he did in 1 Timothy 2. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. We need to pray fervently for each other. Our fellow believers here at Lakeside, as Scripture exhorts us to do that, Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Praying is our spiritual duty and privilege. Luke 18.1 shares that at all times, believers ought to pray and not lose heart. And 1 Peter 4.7, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. 
One inmate shares this. He wrote, and he's still incarcerated. It's entitled, Prayer Overdue. Jason Rivera, he's in Fulton, Missouri, serving his time. My Father who is in heaven, I cry out to you for wisdom and understanding and nothing but the truth. I try to figure out a way to say to you the things I'm really sorry for. My prayer is overdue. I am truly blessed to have you in my presence. It makes me a stronger person through my prison sentence. I see a better future that you gave me through these eyes. I try to forget my past and how I told so many lies. Thank you, Lord, for it is you who restored my faith. It's only you who can judge me for that I'm feeling safe. So, Lord, please, I beg you, bless me with another day. With you in my heart, I know tomorrow will be okay. As I've told you in the past, when I share those, I have a lot of memories that come to mind. But here's somebody behind bars seeing the need for prayer. Prayer is prompted by the Holy Spirit should be a strong desire. It should be a compulsion, a hunger, a longing, a yearning. And here's another word, hankering for in our lives as we grow in our Christian lives. As we share in our small groups that we just did and faith builders here for prayer, we should have a, a desire to pray for one another. As we share and as we pray for one another, our bond together grows stronger. Because as was shared when I was still at Pinellas County Jail, to see the inmates come back after they've prayed together and they say, God answered this. There was a, one inmate I remember, he thought he would get 20 years to life. And God blessed him with five years. Remember that? So thanking God together, praising God. We need to be praying for each other. We're going to look at a passage this morning in Philippians chapter 1. And it's going to talk about prayer, but it's going to have recorded for us in verses 9 through 11 five things that Paul remembered as he prayed for the believers in Philippi. And we can include these five things when we pray for one another as well. Those are brothers and sisters here at Lakeside. So join me in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Well, before we look at these three verses, we need to understand what's going on in the first part of Philippians 1. So we need to understand the context. In verses 1 and 2, Paul is sending his greetings to the believers in Philippi. And all of the greetings that he is giving is reminding them, and I believe reminding us, we're one body in Christ. No one is above anyone else. 
No one has a gift that's better than anyone else. We need each other. And I was sharing with a brother in Christ this last week. We were talking about that everybody has one gift at least. And I think God has gifted some of our brothers and sisters in Christ here with many more than one. But everybody's got at least one. And we use it, why? Not for our own selfish sake, but for the glory of God and to minister to one another. We need each other. In verses 3 to 8 of chapter 1, the Apostle Paul shares details of his prayers on behalf of the Christians in the city of Philippi as he is concerned about their spiritual condition. How are they doing walking with the Lord? Are we concerned with each other? In our walk with the Lord, do we pray for each other? Well, I think in these three verses that we just read, we're going to find out what these five things that were on Paul's heart to record these and to those in Philippi that we can apply as we pray for each other as well. So verses 9 to 11, the first thing, as we look at verse 9, we should include in our prayers for each other is that our love, our Godly love for each other is on the increase. In other words, as we rub shoulders every time we meet together as we are today, that our love from God that He puts in our heart for one another grows. That we have more and more concern, more and more of God's love for one another. It begins here in verse 9, it says, And this I pray implies that that the origin of this love is from God. It's divine. 1 John 4 tells us love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God. The one who does not love does not know God for God is love. We love because He first loved us. Godly love can only be produced in Christians by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 shares, The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Paul showed this divine love toward those he ministered to here in Philippi, plus those in Ephesus and Colossae and Thessalonica. And when he saw them practicing this godly love toward each other, he commended them for that. And he prayed, not that it would just stay the same, but that it would grow. And how does it grow from our interaction with one another? To those in Colossae, he speaks of this kind of love as the perfect bond of unity. God's love, when practiced, it unifies. It brings us closer together. And I loved what one commentator said, it's contagious. When we see that love being practiced among believers, God's love, it becomes contagious. It spreads. The next phrase that we've already read, that your love may abound still more and more. Paul had this agape love toward the believers in Philippi, and they had this love for him as well. However, Paul prayed that this love would abound more, that it would increase that it would grow. John 13:35 reveals by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our brothers 
and sisters in Christ, we need to love one another. Instead of picking out little things, it says in Scripture too, take care of the big boulder in your eye when you pick out the speck in your brother's eye. We need to be looking at how can I show God's love to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Godly love is a conscious choice to follow. John 13:34 says to love one another even as I have loved you. And this conscious choice of love is even illustrated in the story of the good Samaritan in Luke 10. He rejoiced when his son returned even though his brother was jealous. Dad said, be thankful, be showing God's love that your brother came back and rejoice for that. God's love is something that this inmate wrote about. And I share these because I still get these on a regular Loaves and Fishes. It's a magazine put out by a a small church in Pennsylvania and they gather things that inmates have written from all over the country And they say it's fine to share, so I've got permission. Don't have to worry about uh, any copyright. But this man named Anthony Bendetto, he's in Lake City, Florida, serving his time. He wrote this about God's love. With each morning sunrise, the message shines right through. He whispers softly in my ear those sweet words, I love you. And the song of nature singing in the quiet summer breeze with the crackling of the thunder through a baby's gentle sneeze can be found his love and goodness. Through everything that is, he tells us that he loves us and that we are truly his. In my heart and in my being, in every thought I think, the thing of which I'm certain is that he will not forsake his love In every part of life, his love is there to share. Grab handfuls and then toss them, for it's up to us to share. God's love is ever-growing, sent daily from above. Every good thing I say or do is only through his love. Again, think about where he is. And he's talking about picking it up and tossing it, sharing it with those around him. Godly love abounds or overflows in great abundance. And there's so many ways we can show that toward our brothers and sisters. We need to pray for opportunities to show this love. Maybe a widow's work day. Maybe helping a brother struggling financially to pay a bill. Bringing over a meal to someone who can't get out or just had surgery. Or giving to the benevolent fund are making blankets and quilts and bags in the Dorcas ministry to give out to the missionaries, faithfully helping in Awana, checking out the Sunday school bulletin once in a while. And if God convicts us to do something, we do it. Because it's from God's love in our heart, showing God's love toward one another. And so not only do we have that as believers, but it needs to be growing, God's love. It talks about this divine love from God grows in real knowledge. It's talking about love grounded in the truth of God's word that produces holiness. Peter shares in 1 Peter 1.22, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently, which means stretch, strain, go into the limit, love one another from the heart. 
If God has our hearts and God's love is in our heart, we need to be showing that, stretching out to show that as much as we can and with God's help. This love from God also abounds or increases in all discernment. Gaining not only knowledge of the word, but how to apply it. We can have all the knowledge in the world, but if we don't have the wisdom to apply it, what good is it? The result, when we apply God's word to how we're living and God's love is holy living. Using it on a daily basis, God's word, to make wise assessments and discernment in knowing what God wants us to do. And I believe we can all use that. It's putting feet to what we know from God's Word. The first thing we should pray for like Paul, as we remember those in the body of Christ, is that their divine love for one another increases and it abounds. Now we move to the second thing, to pray for one another. And we come to the first part of verse 10. So that you may approve the things that are excellent. In other words, the second thing we should pray for one another is spiritual excellence. When God's love is growing in our lives, the fact that we're obeying God's word and we're applying it on a daily basis, it's not just fulfilling our duty, but we have the pleasure in doing it. How? In an excellent manner. We want to approve, examine what are the best ways to please the Lord and then do it. I know there's an old hymn and I think most people still remember some of the words to it, but it's give of your best to the master. Anybody else ever heard that one? I think the words here fit very well. Give of your best to the master. Give of the strength of your youth. Throw your soul's fresh glowing ardor into the battle for truth. Jesus has set the example. Dauntless was he, young and brave. Give him your loyal devotion. Give him the best that you have. And then it says in the refrain, Give of your best to the Master. Give of the strength of your youth. Clad in salvation's full armor, join in the battle for truth. So I think it's important when we are serving, we do it the best we can. Because we don't want to give God anything less than that. So when we're praying for each other, we need to pray that God not only helps their love of God toward one another to grow, but that when they are serving the Lord, it's excellent. Because it's for the King of Kings. Philippians 4.8 gives us a good list to go by. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Focus on these things. It's quite a list, but it's possible with the Holy Spirit's help. Dwelling on what is excellent in God's eyes. What brings honor and glory to God? And God deserves our best, not just enough to get by, but what we can do with His help. We only have one opportunity. I believe today's May 27, 2018, right? Did I get that right? Okay. We only have one date ever in history is today. 
our opportunity to serve the Lord. To serve Him with spiritual excellence. Romans 12.2 tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our goal, as Paul records in Colossians 1.28, we proclaim Him, we proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And Colossians 3.23 tells us, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Heartily, what does that mean? I was thinking, you know, wow, give it 110%. Give it our all. Serving the Lord is our one-time privilege as we walk once on this earth. We need to pray for each other that we give our best each day so that we can hear someday, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I was looking at this passage and I hope I can share these with you, but there was a, there's words to a song that years ago God put in my heart, and I don't know if I can convey what it means to me, but it's, it was written by a man named Lanny Wolf, and it's called, My House is Full, But My Field is Empty. And here's what it says, There is peace and contentment in my father's house today, lots of food on his table, and no one turned away. There is singing and laughter as the hours pass by, but a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work my fields. No one wants to work my fields. Push away from the table. Look out through the window pane. Just beyond the house of plenty lies a field of golden grain. And it's ripened to harvest. But the reapers, where are they? In the house. Oh, can't the children hear the father sadly say, My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work my fields. No one wants to work my fields. Brothers and sisters, there's a field out here. Just outside these doors, there's neighborhoods, there's people that need the Lord. And they need to see, and I think they do, and we need to continue and grow in it, but they need to see Jesus in our lives so that they too want Jesus in their hearts. Because it's not about a religion, and that's where I have heard so many inmates and soldiers tell me over the years, well, what religion are you, chaplain? I say, I'm not of any religion. They look at me funny. I say, because it's a relationship. It's a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way. And they look at me funny. That's fine. But I thank God I, I'm able to throw the seeds out. I don't know if any will settle, but God knows. And so it's our responsibility, our opportunity on this earth to throw the seed that God has given us. And he's given us eternal answer. Jesus Christ. The third thing we should 
have included in our prayers for one another is that we're growing in our personal integrity, our honesty, our uprightness. Look with me further in verse 10. Prove the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ having been filled. And we get on to verse 11. But in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. We need to walk differently. We need to pray for each other that we have the strength with the Holy Spirit's power to walk differently so that others see something different in our lives than the road that they're on. It talks about that we be sincere. It talks about we being upright, things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless. And I thought one commentator hit it very well when he said, the idea of being sincere in ancient Roman pottery was a very thin, when they made the pottery, was very thin clay. And when it was put in the kiln, little cracks would show up. And so the potter would fill in the thin cracks with a hard wax to cover up the thin cracks. But then they would paint over it and you'd never know it was there except when you held it up to the light. You could see the little cracks where the wax had been put in. Brothers or sisters, when God's Word, when God puts it on our heart, when He shows those little thin cracks in our lives, we need to say, God, help me to change it, not paint over it again. What are we going to do about it? James chapter 1, 22 to 25, talks about looking in the mirror of God's Word. And we can look at it and we can say, yeah, that, that's, that's not good, and walk away. Or we can look at it intently and say, God, I see it, now change that. I need that changed in my life. That's integrity. That's saying, God, you've shown me something. Now, with your help, help me to change it. Because I don't want to keep going that way. It means turning away from the way we've been going. Repent of that in our life and say, God, help me to stay turned away from it and not keep walking down it. Sincere applies also to our relationships with one another. 2 Corinthians 1.12 tells us, In holiness and godly sincerity, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God. Do we give each other grace? Say, well, you know, they broke one of my rules. I don't know if I want to talk to them this Sunday. Wow, you know, I heard this about them. <laughs> we need to be upholding each other. That we pray for each other, that we remain strong, that we show integrity in our lives. Because believe me, the world, the lost world around us, they're watching. They're watching. When we fall into sin, Satan attacks us like a roaring lion. And if we don't have God's defenses up, get chewed up. But God says, Get that shield of faith up. Get the sword of the Spirit of God's Word in your right hand and I'll help you to stand. You will stand. So we're to be praying for each other that we're growing in divine love. We're to be 
grabbing on doing everything spiritually in an excellent way. We're to practice integrity on a personal level. And then we come to our fourth thing we need to remember in our prayers. And that is that we're bearing spiritual fruit. So we look at verse 11. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I remember every week, almost every week, one of the favorite songs that they like to sing in Sparks, kindergarten, first and second, was the fruit of the Spirit. They all wanted to pick what fruit are we going to... Oh, you can't be a watermelon. You can't be a banana. But then you name the fruit of the Spirit. And so the kids learn what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's of the Spirit. It's of God being produced through our lives. Opportunities when the co-workers went off the clock to share with them if they ask. Not doing it when you're on the company time. Because I believe every day God gives everyone here divine appointments to share with one another. To share that we have a Savior. We have the answer to eternity. Spiritual fruit includes everything listed in Galatians 5. Ephesians 2.10 tells us we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Do we show spiritual fruit? That co-worker, does he see God's love working in our lives? Do they see the acronym JOY, Jesus, Others, and You? Do we have peace that passes all human understanding? Are we patient with each other? Oh, John, you shouldn't have said that one. Patient. Even when somebody's offended us? Wow. Do we ooze out goodness toward others? Do we look for those opportunities? Are we sympathetic to someone who is suffering? Are we gentle or harsh toward others? Do we exhibit self-control or are we quick-tempered? And a final thing we're going to look at this morning that we need to pray for one another is the last part of verse 11. And this is really the culmination of these other four. But everything that we do, everything that we pray for one another, it says here, the last part of verse 11, to the glory and praise of God. Isn't that who it's for as believers? Everything we do and say and think should be for the honor and the glory and the praise of God. We as believers are products of God's grace and mercy. None of us deserve to be saved. We weren't good enough, but Jesus' work on the cross was good enough. 1 Corinthians 10.31 reminds us, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, making each day count for Him. That if God calls us a home at the end of that day, and we walk through heaven's gates, and we won't say, man, Lord, give me another day. I've got to finish this up. But we say, I, I did what I could for you, Lord, with your help. And I hope I honored and glorified you. The Bible is full of those who brought honor and glory to God. For example, 
I always go back to Genesis 5:24. It says, and Enoch walked with God every day. Was he perfect? No, but he walked with God. Genesis 6, 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Was Noah perfect? No. But he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, every day God gives us his grace. Doesn't he? That we have another opportunity to wake up and say, God, may my life bring honor and glory to you today. I may be with you today in heaven. And that's okay. That's a better place. Paul struggled with that. Some days we do, don't we? Say, wow, Lord, just take me. <laughs> Not always with the purest motive, but you know, some days we have those days. But God used Noah. God used Enoch. John fifteen eight says, My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Are we bearing fruit? Are we bringing honor and glory to God? Are others looking at our life and I'm not going to say they're going to praise God, but they're going to see something different in us that they don't have. And ask us, what is the basis of, of your beliefs? We say it's, it's Jesus Christ, his work on the cross. He makes all the difference in the world. As Paul prayed for those in Philippi to grow in their Christian walk, so we need to be praying for each other at Lakeside. Before we close this study today, I appreciate you letting me share, but it's called The Journey. It was written by Holbert Bridgman. He's incarcerated in Mariana, Arkansas. It's called The Journey. We all endure this journey, God's gift to us called life, using the Word of God to help us get through the strife. And now on this great journey, you've really yet to perceive the truth of all God's blessings that you by His love receive. Your worst can be in the past. Repent, believe as well. The best can be straight ahead that God's grace will tell. Let Scripture be your blueprint. Thank God for a better way. For you to be redeemed, He gave His Son to pay. The Lord wants to bless you, that you may praise Him and grow. Your walk will be rewarding His wisdom you can know. Understanding His will and undying love, the message that He brought, hope for lost souls, the brokenhearted, all those whom sin has caught. So let your journey continue to ever higher ground. Above all earthly pleasures, you now are heaven bound. Again, that man incarcerated writing as God, I think, leads to write from the heart. And I pray a heart that's in line with the Lord. So we have five things we can pray for each other when we're remembering each other in prayer. I know we pray specifically, and that's good, but we can pray for things that Paul prayed for for those in Philippi. We can pray for each other. So you say, well, I don't know what to pray about. Look at Philippians 1, 9 to 11. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's inerrant, infallible. It's your word. We can depend on it. Help us, Lord, to apply it. Help us not just to hear it, but be doers of the word. 
And Father, you give us the strength. You give us your word, but you give us the strength, your Holy Spirit, to do what you tell us to do in your word. Help us to pray more for one another. Help us to, every day, when, we, when you bring to mind our brother or sister in Christ, that we take the time to, to pray for them. Because you hear us, we know that. You answer us, you're sovereign, you saved us. And we have the honor and privilege to be part of, of your body, the body of Christ. Thank you again for salvation. And I pray you will continue to lead and guide and direct each one here today and in days to come. In Jesus' name, amen.